Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Gosh, I guess this is our first official episode of 2022. Yes. Yeah. It's the first one, um, seven days into the year, and um, it's been fun. I mean, a little bit snow, <laughs> which is which is nice. Um, but yeah, we, we started 2022. Uh, we had all these plans for this week that were slightly adjusted. Well, I mean, let's call it what it is, canceled uh, okay. because of all the snow. Um, but yeah, no, we're we're back in the, we're kind of, we're hopefully back in the swing of things this weekend. Um, I might be putting things off for the club tonight. Yeah, from a club standpoint, yeah, you're probably the bur- the first one coming back out playing in an indoor league. Um, and then, well, I mean, the 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 2010 girls and the 08 girls and the 12, 2012 girls played in the indoor league this past weekend on Sunday. So they got it. Yeah. So they, yeah, they kicked off the year. So yeah. I'm good. Next no, year. Next year. What? Next year. 2023 is your year. That's my year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So ultimately, it was, it's been, it's been good so far. Um, you know, we're just excited with everything coming up. You know, the winter's ultimately a weird time. Sometimes we all the plans kind of change, but hopefully we'll start indoor practices next week, which will be exciting. And then uh, we go to the convention. Yeah. Uh, I mean, two weeks are now. It, convention kicks off in 12 days. Um, we're really excited because we're good to be a part of the podcast row at the 2022 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City. Uh, it's the ultimate event for soccer coaches and those who work in the game. Rekindle your passion through presentations, on-field demonstrations, exhibits, and events for coaches at every level. Whether you're attending alone or bringing the whole coaching staff, there's no better place to learn, network, and experience all the aspects of the game. If you register today. So, doing if you weren't registered, you should register today. And as a listener of this podcast, use promo code POD22, P-O-D-2-2 at checkout, and you can save $80 at your registration. It also includes all the recorded sessions, so you don't miss a thing. Visit UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org today and register. And don't forget, use promo, promo code POD22, P-O-D-2-2 at checkout to save. We're going to be in Kansas City. We already got interviews lined up. So make sure you uh, you come out because we got, we got interviews. Um, so if you're hanging out, come and hang out. We might be doing some live stuff. Um, I guess we can officially announce it. We have a new Instagram account. So... Obviously, we have the Delaware Union accounts, facebook.com slash Delaware Union on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer and on Twitter at DE Union Soccer. Uh, you can follow our diamonds pages at DE Union Diamonds on Facebook and Instagram. But the podcast now has a new Instagram, a new home where we're going to be doing some different content stuff specific to the podcast uh, at the soccer podcast, DE Soccer Podcast on Instagram. So make sure you give us a follow there. Yeah, for some podcast specific content. We might be doing some giveaways. We might be, you don't, you have no idea what's going on there. Like it just, well, we do, hopefully. Uh, Marketing analytics department is definitely working on the, listen, we, all right, we'll give, we'll give a little teaser. Um, We got, we got giveaways that you can put anywhere you want. That's that's all we're going to say. Anywhere you want. Yeah. And they're not tattoos, if anybody was wondering. Like, we got podcast tattoos. We didn't got not get podcast tattoos. So, um, but yeah. So, uh, and then this week, our interview is going to be interesting. It's going to be a little different this week. This week, it's a pre-recorded interview. If you didn't get to catch the UWS Weekly Show uh, from Wednesday night, Dwayne and I and Katie from the Diamonds, our, our captain Katie Cordell, were interviewed uh, by Jonathan Ward on the. Uh, UWS weekly show to talk about the diamonds and the upcoming season. So that'll be the interview that, um, that we'll listen to. We'll listen to the audio of that. It was a ton of fun. It was fun to be interviewed for, for once, not have to do it to be the one interviewing people. Yeah. Um, no, it was interesting. Um, it was definitely cool being a part of that interview. Um, it was cool being live. Yeah. Uh, like actually doing this live where you were like on video too. Yeah. And the people commenting live as you go. Yeah. Yeah. Was, somebody somebody made a comment that we should close out games better. I, I, I messaged them and said, you guys trying to scrimmage? I'll like, we'll close out against you guys. 
trying to pick a fight over social media. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, that's what happens. But yeah. All right. So we'll listen to that now. Tonight, I'm excited to have the opportunity to talk to three awesome representatives from the UWS two side Delaware Union Diamonds. Joining me from the club are coach, associate head coach, Dwayne Henry, director of operations, Sebastian Acosta, and center midfielder, Katie Cordell. Sebastian, Dwayne, Katie, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you guys doing? Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing great. Great for you guys. Uh, great to have you guys on. Katie, what's good? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. And Dwayne, uh, the snow is uh, not helping out your uh, the settings on your computer. But hey, what's going on, man? How have you been? Hey, I'm snowed in, enjoying my time. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Well, hey, listen, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started. We'll talk a little bit about soccer and the game that we all love, but let's get into the question of how did you guys get involved with the game of soccer that everybody loves? Um, I'll kick it off. Uh, so I'm I'm originally from Argentina, so I feel like for the majority of the population in Argentina, uh, it's one of those things that you're kind of born into. Um, so I you know grew up playing with my friends and things like that. And then when I moved to the States, when I was 12 years old, that's when I really started playing. It's kind of weird and, you know, didn't really play much in Argentina. I played more in the U S. Um, yeah. And that's how, that's kind of how I, and then for me, it's been a way to connect back to, to my country to a certain extent. Uh, I'm a big fan of Boca juniors. Um, the, uh, this side, there you go right there. Um, uh, big fan of Boca Juniors and it's a, you know, I, I watch the games every week and my kids have jerseys and things like that. So it's a, that's kind of, how I fell in love with it. And Katie, what about you? I started soccer early. My parents put me in it, I think when I was like three and I just didn't want to do any other sport ever. I didn't play another sport until I was a, in high school and I don't, soccer's just always been the best. And Dwayne? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of had the same life story as Katie, you know, that traditional start out as three rec programs um, and just came all the way through, through high school, um, college, and then it kind of came full circle, you know, didn't do anything else, needed something to do. So I got into coaching and here I am now. Well, you guys, Delaware Union has a lot more than just a UWS side, right? There, there's a lot of layers to this um, extravagant club. What is the culture of the club like and some of the best practices that you three participate in to make that club, this club, what it is? Uh, Dwayne, you want to take it? You're technically the longest standing member of the the club before the club as well. Yeah, uh, I guess, yeah, I should have said that. I was, I've been a part of the club, I guess, my whole life um, with the CDSA and the MOT. I played for both clubs, I ended up merging into one club. So operations are centered in Middletown, Delaware. So um, that's where our culture, that's where we're based out of Middletown, Delaware. We serve uh, a rec program um, with roughly like 600 or so um, athletes in the Middletown, Bear, Townsend, Odessa community. Um, so that's kind of where we we center our operations, um, getting those kids into the, the, the discovery program and our recreational program to begin to fall in love with the game and then ultimately move into our travel program, you know, play high school soccer, become referees, you know, play on our UWS two side um, and then become lifelong fans, you know, bring their kids back when they have kids and grow older, um, you know, come back and coach in our club. So that's really what our culture is, what we're centered around. We also do um, programs with the Special Olympics of Delaware. Um, they come out and use our fields to provide those opportunities to those athletes as well. So um, we kind of are well-rounded. We probably I probably didn't do us enough justice of what we do um because we do a ton but that's kind of like the hard points that we do well katie i i recall you uh taking time during the summer camps this summer to be on the podcast uh for delaware union but listen tell me a little bit about that story and and camps are important to the growth of of this club yeah the camps are awesome it gives the young players a chance to practice and make friends and just hang out, hang it. And it was all Diamonds players running it, which was really cool because I know some of the younger girls look up to us. And Sebastian, best practices, is there anything that is unique about the club that kind of separates it from other clubs in Delaware or even on the eastern uh, eastern seaboard? I think we, we, we have a 
we have an approach of of not necessarily looking players as as numbers, right? We don't look at the back of their jersey as as what identifies them or what defines them. And what we what we really try to do is find out what's important about the person, right? So that our ultimate goal is to to make them better members of society through soccer. Um, so for us, so for example, Katie's one of now one of multiple players that play in our club and at the same time also coach in our club. So Katie was my assistant coach last year and she'll be she'll be working with us again this year and she um she actually got to coach my daughter in our like U3 rec- recreational program. So that part is extremely important for me is can we do something that is community based, provides a competitive environment for all the players and at the same time it gives you that like feel of when you run into somebody somewhere wearing a Delaware Union shirt, it's like you already know who they are. And for me, I I take pride in knowing the majority of the players in our in our club. Can I add oh. something? Definitely, Katie. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I think that the coaches do a really good job of making sure that you're not just a, a good soccer player, but you're a good person, and that you go out of your way to help other people and make things easier and work as a team. Well, let's talk about how to make things easier in Delaware. Delaware is not known for its soccer. At least you wouldn't think of it as a soccer state. But describe the soccer compared to other parts of the country that you guys may be familiar with. It's a big, it's, small it's, town. It's a tight-knit community. Um, I don't know how many people are from small towns, but it's a very tight-knit community where everybody knows everywhere, where we go and play another club. We know that coach. It's not like it's just, hey, show up, play a game. You know that coach. Um, you may have played high school with them. They may have coached you when you were younger. You may work with them in an ODP event. You may, you know them. You may work with them in general. So um, it's a very tight-knit community. We have a lot of clubs for the size of our state. Our state's only 90 miles long. We have, I would say, what, six clubs at least. And some Maybe age more, group yeah. or clubs have multiple teams in an age group. Um so it's very tight knit. It's very competitive. If you can can't already tell, um, so you know it, it's important for each club to kind of have its own, you know, motivation to do things differently than other clubs because it's very hard to be replicated and it's, it's very close. So seeing that the state is only ninety miles, how many athletes do you as a club serve? Uh, about twenty five hundred, close to three thousand. So a solid number. And if you think about the total population of Delaware, that's a, that's a good percentage, good chunk of children who are having the opportunity to play. Uh, year two for you guys coming up in UWS2 seems as though it's just a blur now, but what are some of the expect, expectations for uh, this year coming off a, a pretty successful first year? Yeah. So, I mean, going into the first year, we, we, it was a little bit of an unknown for us as to what to, what to expect. The level of competition was very high. Uh, in our in our mid-Atlantic North conference. There's some really, really good teams there. Um, so going into year two, um, we, they haven't been formally announced yet, but we're bringing in some uh, some some really talented players. We already have a player, a couple players that are committed. We have a couple di- division one players that are that are coming into the to the team. We have a couple division one uh, commits that are going to be playing division one next year that are that are coming into the team. And we have some returners that are a solid foundation for our club, Katie being being one of them and one of the captains of the team. Um, so going into year two, I think the expectation is to push the boundaries a little bit more as far as uh, the training environment, uh, get, make it a little harder uh, than we did last year. Um, I think that was part of the feedback, and I think that's part of um, what one of what's one of the things we do is we we ask for feedback from the players on a constant basis because this was new to us. So uh, one of the, some of the things that, that they said is they wanted the environment to get a little harder, a little more competitive. Uh, so it's something that we're gonna we're gonna bring. We're already kind of brainstorming some ideas and things like that. Um, you know, luckily we already have Katie kind of in the club uh, six months early. Uh, so a lot of a lot of those conversations are gonna happen on the field when we're when we're training. So it'll be it'll be really good. So I gotta ask. I gotta go back to that culture uh, and best practices question that I asked as we started. Would you say asking for feedback from your players um, to be considered a best practice and, and part of the culture and community that is Delaware Union Diamonds? I think it speaks for the club as a whole. Um, 
especially when you get to those, I mean, we started with our younger age groups, but especially when you get to those, you know, preteen teenage age groups where the kids can actually hold a conversation have played the game and understand, I think that's, it's big because you don't want to take your team and say, go put them in a state cup environment. And that's not really what they want to do. Um, they all want to play and have fun. So they just want to compete at the level they can compete at. Or if you run a training session and no one understands the drills, well, why didn't you understand that? Like you want to get that feedback to be able to make yourself a better coach and to make themselves better as players. And especially for the diamonds, us being our first year, we had a couple of team meetings um, with the players just to be able to get feedback, understand what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Because um, I mean, sometimes you see it, coaches think they're right. They know they're right. They've done it a certain way, but every player, every team doesn't respond the same way. So I think it's critical that you get that feedback to get that response from your players at the diamonds level and even at the you know U10, U11 age groups as well. Well, speaking particularly to the diamond culture, Katie, you had the opportunity to play college ball and you, you played club this last year. But what does it mean to have the opportunity to to kind of um, sharpen the skill set heading into a college year with a summer opportunity like the UWS two? And what value does it hold to be able to play and use that that time over the summer to get going for the summer and play at a high level at that? I think it's really important. Um, this doesn't apply to me anymore because I'm old and, <laughs> and retired. So I'm just having fun. But for, for everyone else, I think it's really important to get touches on the ball because it's not all about winning and losing. Obviously, we like to win, but it's how fit you get and how sharp you are on the ball. So when you go back to your college team, or your high school team, you're going to be the, one of the best ones there. And that's that's really what you should be wanting to gain from this. So thinking about that in general, Katie, what advice would you give to a younger you or to a younger player who says, oh, I don't want to play UWS because I don't want to get hurt heading into a college season. What advice would you give them to make sure to encourage them to participate? I don't know. I don't think it's smart to play on like a, a fearful level. Like if you want to play college soccer, it's going to be rough and it's going to be physical. So I think it, it would be smarter to kind of get into that in the summer. And I also think if you do a lot of lifting, then your chances of getting injured are a lot lower. So I would say lift to get strong and play anyway, because if you're strong, you're not going to get hurt most likely. Sebastian, director of operations for the club. What made the club decide that UWS2 was its league of choice? Um. I mean, realistically, it was it was the players. Um, we we were looking at our at some of our alumni, and they didn't have uh, last year due to COVID. They didn't have a season, um, and so we 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 were like we're trying to think of these players that just graduated, worked really hard to to get where they wanted to go, and we were trying to think what are they going to do? Right, they're going to go an entire year, year and a half, two years without without playing. Um, so we were exploring different possibilities to try to get some of these players to play. Um, so we we reached out. I mean, I think I, I reached out to Stephanie and probably within a matter of uh, less than a week, we were pretty much committed and ready to go. Uh, Dwayne and I were were had conversations about it ahead of time. We we kind of did all the research. Um, and for me it was the it was the fact that the league had a development mindset, right? The the idea of developing players and and have it be that that for the players and that that to me stood out. Dwayne, you you're the uh, long serving member of the club. It seems like uh, the the old man on the uh, on the podium here. What is the mission of the club in general, and what did you and Sebastian come up with as a mission for the Diamond uh, entity as it relates to UWS two? Um, the mission for the club it's it's very simple. It's to find a place for anybody that wants to play soccer to learn and develop to find a place for them whether it's the recreational side it's the the travel side the representative side whether it's again refereeing or coaching in our club or again for the alumni or players that may have not played in our club that want a place to play in the summer we'll find a place to play we'll help you develop we'll, we'll get you going um so that's what we kind of want to do with our mission um and then for the diamonds um seems like our mission kind of changed mid season, you know, getting player feedback. 
Um, you know, obviously we wanted to go out and compete, but again, it's to continue to develop these players and get them prepared for their college seasons. We want them to be game fit going into preseason so that when we do our own podcast and we reflect on these players, Hey, you know, Katie was fit game one. She started, she was successful, you know, or, you know, Katie was working back off an injury. You know, we helped her rehab, get some game minutes. She was successful. So, I mean, again, to develop and then to see all of our players find success. I think that's really the key for the diamonds. So it sounds like you guys had set out a, a, you had a set of goals to start the year, but those goals quickly changed based off of the feedback. Let's talk a little bit about those goals. What were the goals originally and what was the, what was the change that was made? Let's say mid season. Well, I think part of it, part of it was out of our control and part of it was in our control. Right. So so from a competitive standpoint, we 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 thought we and I th- I still do think we had a very very good roster. I think we were extremely competitive in a lot of the games. I mean, the first game we were up one nothing until the last like 15 20 minutes left of the game. Uh and we had two or three games like that where we were, you know, 10 15 minutes short of of winning. Um but then we ended up with with some we ended up with some uh season ending injuries. Uh, in in the same game, we had two season-ending injuries that those players have yet to come back. Um, so they'll be hopefully be back um, pretty soon uh, to be able to play at their school or or their their high school, and then be able to play with us again this summer. Um, and then we had we had you know a few players that originally committed that you know decided this wasn't for them kind of thing. So um, and then I think. Once that came in, then we brought in some younger players. So I think we adjusted our mindset into, all right, well, if we're not going to, you know, quote unquote, get the results we were looking for, well, then let's adjust and can we just give the opportunities to the players? So um, we had some players come in halfway through the year that helped us out a lot and they each individually had some different goals. And I think that was the big change too is halfway through the year, we we started really focusing on the individual goals for the players, right? So what was everybody looking for? There was some players that were looking for to be seen by college coaches because they were still in high school. Uh, so there were some college coaches coming out to our games to watch them play specifically. There's some players that were looking to play specific positions and and things like that. So we we started really kind of tailoring part of the part of our, our game plan towards the individual players. So Overall, it seems like the season, in the end, everything came to to a to a good part where everybody was doing what was best practices or, or doing what was best for each other to help the club and help the community as it is grow. What role does the team play? Let's talk a little bit about the development of the youth program. What role does the team play in the youth program and the development? But also, what about the youth playing into the to the uh, UWS two team? Oh, it's oh, it's such a big part for me it's it's basically the that's my like I, I i smile every time i talk about this because it's it's what i want right i want our younger players um to be to be watching katie play for example um and at some point and i'm hoping that katie's plays until like her 40s with the with the diamonds i'm hoping katie never leaves delaware and she just continues to play um but I'm hoping that a player that that was coached by Katie, or I'm hoping that a player that that watched Katie play at some point gets the opportunity to play with Katie, for example, right? Um, from a community standpoint, um, you know, it, it, it we don't really have anything like that else in, in in Middletown. We just we just don't. So for us, our first game, it was just bringing the community out, bringing all of our players out. Um, we had two of our two of our players kept score. Uh, kept you know kept stats for us. We we kind of trained them ahead of time, and they 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 sat on the bench. You know when they when they could, they they were in the conversations. They came to practices. They watched practices. Uh, we had a couple of younger goalkeepers be able to train with our goalkeepers during practices, and then they got to jump in some of the activities and things like that. So it was it's just an extension of of the youth club, right? It was a way for the for the pathway to continue to grow and for players to come back and. And uh, for Katie, it was it was really cool because a lot of the girls she coached came play, watch her play. That's right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, Katie, let's a question coming right back to you here is: What's it like to play in front of your players? To be able to show them that hey, I, I got some skill too. I just don't talk the game. I know the game, and I play it as well. What's that like? It's really fun. Um, 
one of the girls I help coach is my neighbor. So that just shows it's a small town. And so I see her all the time. But it's fun when they come to the games and they cheer you on. It's really cute. And then you get to go to their games and cheer them on. And it just makes a special bond. Does that help create the uh, community aspect that I think you guys are trying to to touch on and, and grab? For sure. What are some of the qualities that you guys look for as it relates to players? Obviously, Katie is not just a good player, but a good person. But what are the what are some of the attributes or qualities that you look for when bringing in uh, athletes to play for the Diamonds? I mean, I mean, right off the bat, it's it's the the personality that's character, right? So we we want people that are not going to we want people that want to be around each other. Um, we don't we don't expect, nor do we think it's realistic for all these players that don't necessarily all know each other to come in and in a matter of three months become lifelong friends and best friends with each other. That's just unrealistic, I think, in any sort of any aspect. But uh, we do expect them to respect each other, to enjoy it and have a good time. I think last year we we saw it right away. There was players that automatically bonded with other players and they spent a lot of time. I mean, Katie, Katie had a group of people that, A, she wanted to play with because she grew up with some people. And B, there was people that she didn't know that that she came became close with, and I think, um, you know, going into the tryouts that we already had, and and we're gonna have a couple more going into the spring. We're gonna look for just really good people that ultimately want to get better. They want to work hard. Um, yeah, part of it is, do, can you play? Right, part of it is that. Uh, but at the same time, is is can you adapt? Um, you know, I, I look at. Do you stand on the field and not not become shy? Um, we had a player who was uh, at least six years or three or four years younger than everybody else on the team uh, last year. And one of the things we when we brought her out, the first thing we told her, I was like, don't come in afraid because Katie does not care whether you're younger or not. Like, so... Uh, so, you know, that was for her it was it was that growing that growing part of it and just but it's basically like when she's out in the middle of the field, does she look afraid or not? And and if and if she doesn't, she's confident and you know, obviously players are gonna make mistakes and that's fine. Um, but you know, there's that character. Um and I think we're up to a point now where we have some of the returners, they're people that we genuinely like and like to be around, Katie being one of them. Um, that their feedback is important too, right? So we have a tryout and it's, Katie, what, what do you think? Like, because Katie's probably going to be the one of the oldest players we had. So Katie has a lot of experience. Um, and Katie's also part of our coaching staff from a club standpoint, right? So she knows what we look for from a club standpoint. So it's, what do you think? You know, how do you, what, where, where are you with this? And um, yeah, it's a good fit. No, it's not a good fit. Here's why. And, and, and then obviously Duane and I make the decision from there, but it's kind of where it goes. I also think it's part of that like Delaware mindset too, where it's so close knit where, you know, you have players from Middletown, you may have players that go to like a private school up North. They may play on opposite clubs, but you know, each other, right. You mm -hmm. know, who the top players are. So I think a lot of it is those top players if in your graduating class or close to your graduating class, coming back to play with each other to say, Hey, maybe we played with each other when we were nine, but let's play again in college and, you know, make each other better because if you play in the same conference in college, like you run into each other, it's like, Hey, great. Hey, Delaware, Delaware. But you know, it's, you know, trying to make the state stronger and make it, you know, give us exposure as well. Well, let's, let's talk about a little bit as it relates to the exposure of advancing women's soccer. Um, the UWS, we are dedicated to advancing the sport that we all love for our women athletes, Katie and Dwayne have played for the club. You see the club, you play in the club still, Katie. Um, what is how is Delaware Union and even the Diamonds helping advance women's soccer in the state of Delaware? Am I going? Okay, I think the club and I think Sebastian does this really well too. I think he's like so supportive of young girls and women like playing soccer. It's really awesome, <laughs> actually. But I just think we have a really good foundation of girls' teams. I think every age group has a team or close to it, and most of them have, like, two teams or some of them have even more, I think. And I think our club is really supportive of young players coming in and moving up throughout the age groups to eventually go on to high school and college. What are some of the efforts within the community that you guys do? Um, 
a lot of teams use camps or free programs to get more youth involved. Obviously, you did have a summer camp through the club, but what are you doing community-wise that is involving these youngsters to get them into uh, you know the game that we all love? So, I mean, we we have a good we have a good relationship with our with our uh, with the school district. Um, two of our coaches. Uh, we have a lot of teachers that that either uh, work in our club um, or our parents in our club. So we have a really good community with within the schools. Um, I coach at a at a local high school. Uh, one of our other coaches in the club coaches at our local high school. So we're we're all in the community. Um, so that's a big part of it. Uh, I. And we also, one of the things that we, we started doing in partnership with a nonprofit organization that I started with my wife, we started offering um, college prep uh, seminars in partnership with Delaware Union and the, and the nonprofit ASPI that, that I'm a co-founder of. And so we started doing college prep workshops where we bring in some of the local college coaches and, and some of the out-of-state college coaches that we know to talk about the college soccer process and, and what does it take and, and all these other things. Um, and that's open to anybody, whether you're in our club or you're not in our club, that was open to anybody. And I think that's the other part of the diamonds is it's not a, oh, do you have an affiliation to Delaware Union or not? Right. So Katie didn't play at Delaware Union growing up. She played at a different club and that was okay. We wanted Katie involved because A, we knew Katie, Katie's dad from being a referee in our club for a long time. Uh, we knew Katie from herself being a referee in our club when she was younger. Um, so we we had that that relationship, and same thing with the other players that we have. Um, you know, we we don't particularly. It, it's not a requirement that you have to play for Delaware Union to be be in the Diamonds, but it is a requirement that once you put on that jersey, you are now part of our community, right? So now, when you see a different player wearing a Delaware Union shirt, you have to kind of somewhat engage, right? You have to be there's that communication happens through. So I think that's a big part of it for us. Um, on top of just being, being out, you know, we, uh, this year with COVID it's been tough, but you know, in the past we've, we've been in the, um, in the peach festival, uh, Middletown holds a big peach festival, uh, parades and all these other things. We were kind of part of that as well. Well, you know, guys, we, we, we're, we're coming up here on the, on the half hour mark, but I, I want to continue this conversation because I think it's a, it's good, but how can people find out more about Delaware Union and, and the Diamonds and even the podcast that uh, Dwayne and Sebastian host on the side uh, and, and you guys got going on? Yeah, so uh, our website's DelawareUnion.com. Um, our Instagram for the Diamonds and our Facebook is DE Union Diamonds. Uh, our Instagram for the podcast is now The Soccer Podcast, DE Soccer Podcast. And then uh, Delaware Union on Delaware Union Soccer on Instagram. And or DE Union Soccer on Instagram, Delaware Union Soccer on on Facebook. I heard our tables might be together uh, down at the coaches conference uh, too, so I'm kind of excited for that. We, we can't wait. Well, we're so excited. We're going to be part of the podcast show at the convention uh, in a couple of weeks. We have stickers, banners. We're doing giveaways. Um, we're going to have a signed jersey by Katie out there. We'll have everything. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And for our social media, one thing like for the youth of our club, which was huge um, this past year, we did goals and saves of the week. Um, we right. got two of those new VO cameras. So we were able to capture footage of our younger players, goals and saves of the week. And the families absolutely loved it. It was good, friendly competition. You know, grandma in Texas is getting on voting for their kids to get, you know, our kids recognition. So, that's something we're looking forward to building for the future as well on social media. Shout out to Veo, that uh, a partner of UWS That's this right. year and last year. So uh, you know, it's a good little program that you can always uh, you can always use on the go. It's a great little thing to have. Hey, before I let you guys head out uh, this evening, because I know it's late on your end of the uh, of the coast, there. My last question: What does community mean to each of you? Dwayne, we'll start with you, Dwayne or Katie. I was going to give. Them- uh, so community to me, um, it's just you know, it's the people around you. It's it's where you, where you are. I'm not from Middletown, never lived in Middletown, but being in the community and just being able to make it a better place to be able to provide you know kids opportunities to play a sport to become better as young people because ultimately it's going to make the world a better place. Um, you know, kids pick up on every little thing that you say. Sometimes we go on tangents and we don't even remember what we say, but that message that you send to a kid may lead them longer 
um, in life to live a better life, to just be successful. I think that's the, I think that's the main goal of the community is just trying to make it a better place. Katie? I would say um, community is just making like a tight knit group that's able to rely on each other and you can give, but you can also take. So for me, I did play MOT soccer, which is what kind of Delaware Union used to be when I was little, when I was like three. So I was like taking all that in from people in our community and now I'm giving and now I'm coaching the three-year-olds. So it is a really good community and it just, it's homey. It's nice. Uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's home. Uh, I think not being from Delaware, uh, not being from the U S originally, uh, to me, it's home. I think I've lived here for six years. Uh, my wife, two kids, my parents moved to Delaware. My parents live five minutes away. My dad's a coach in our club. My dad is a referee in our club. Um, and like, that's, that's what it is. It's home. Uh, I, yeah, I, I couldn't not be around Delaware Union. Well, you three, Dwayne, Sebastian, Katie, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join me this evening to talk a little bit about Delaware Union. Sebastian, Dwayne, I look forward to uh, seeing you guys in about two weeks' time. Uh, you know, right. we'll, we'll be next to each other, hopefully, and having some fun. And Katie, best of luck the rest of the, the winter and as you prepare for the uh, summer of soccer in 2020 in Delaware. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you guys being on. We'll, we'll chat soon. Thanks. Thank, thank you. Thank you. All right, we're back. Uh, let's talk about. I have two topics before we move on to the player of the match. I got one topic. All right. Well, mine's gonna be the Puskas Award. I mean, we've we've always talked about the Puskas Award here. Uh, Puskas Award finalists were announced this week. Three finalists: Eric Lamella for his Rabona, um, and that one happened early in the year. Rabona goals are always sick. And that was an early one too. Like that happened early in the year. Yeah. Um, so that, uh, that was one of them. Obviously, Arsenal. So, like, I mean, <laughs> sorry, Fields, but it's against Arsenal. <laughs> That's giving up for bonus goals. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, second goal was Patrick Schick. Uh, okay. You know, that was the that was the goal in the Euros against Scotland. Uh, from midfield, so that was a really cool, cool goal for the Czech Republic. Um, and the third goal was uh, Medi Taremi uh, scoring against Chelsea. No, sorry, Porto. No, it was who was it against? Hold it on, it was against Chelsea, right? Yeah, it was against Chelsea for Porto. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, and it was a great like bicycle, like scissor kick kind of thing from from the like next to the PK spot in the upper ninety. So those are the three. Mine's gonna go out to Patrick Schick. Yeah, that's my guy right there, man. That was a good goal. That was a good goal. He's a good player. Um, I didn't know who he was going into the Euros. I know who he is now. Yeah, he, plays for Leverkusen, right? Yep, plays for in the Bundesliga for Leverkusen. He can score yeah. goals. Scores goals. That's what you need from your number nine, right? Score a goal from anywhere, from midfield, from inside the box, whatever you need. He's right back. All right. All right. And then my second topic. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about, and I don't know if you're familiar with this, Dwayne, but um, I've, I've always heard about this and I never, for whatever reason, never actually like went online and, and did some research on it. But have you ever, have you ever heard of the CIES football observatory? No, I have not. All right, so it's a it's it's based out of Switzerland, and it's a group of like researchers um, and some doctors and some people that are really smart that have compiled an algorithm or different algorithms to do different things, and then they 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 look at all the data and they leave it open for peer review, but they have a bunch of different reports. So they posted a report, right? So they posted a report this past week of the highest estimated transfer values in the world. Um, so basically they do this, they, they, they take a look at the, the big five leagues, right? So if you're looking at the big five leagues, you're talking about Premier League, La Liga, League One, or League Un, Bundesliga, and the Serie A, right? Those are the, the five top leagues in the, in the world. Um, so 
they they take a look at all those all, that entire list of players, and then they calculate it versus like what they do, how they play, their impact, and all this stuff, and have compiled regardless of what their release clause, what their value is by their clubs, I mean whatever it is, right? This is like kind of a so this is really interesting. So top player in the world, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you five guesses to top, to guess the top three. I think I saw this. Is it Vinic- Vinicius Jr.? Yeah. Bill Foden. Yep. And Erling Holland. That's and right. Th- yeah, I think I saw that. Um, I saw an article about that. Yeah, so I, I went through it. It's not for, more familiar. Yeah, so what's really, really interesting is that we don't hit a 25-year-old until halfway through the list or, or 10 or 11 places down. Um, all the players... In the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, top ten spots, actually top eleven spots are younger than twenty-five. Absolutely. Top five player, top six players, actually top seven players are not even twenty-two years old. Yeah, no, that makes it makes perfect sense. So it's Vinicius Jr. with um it's this is calculated in in Euros. Um 166 million euros. Phil Foden at 152. Holland at 142. Mason Greenwood at 133. Florian Wirtz or Wirtz, 133. Jude Bellingham, uh, 130. Alfonso Davies at 122. Ruben Diaz, uh, there's your first defender in the list at 120. And then uh, Pedri. 118, Frankie, the young comes up to the oldest of that top list at 115. Jaden Sancho, which is an interesting one because he doesn't necessarily play a whole lot anymore. Well, I mean, he plays more now, but that is the upside is there. I mean, yeah. I guess that's why United spent 75 million euros on him, right? Yeah. So 115, and then Bruno Fernandez at 113. He's the first one that cracks that over 25. Um, <laughs> Well, the interesting thing is that we don't really, if you look at the rest of the list, like uh, Sané is is 26 years old and he's on the list. Um, and this is the top 100 players. Um, this, this is a list of 100. Um, there's 100 players. Um, and then you got Marcos Lorente at, at 26. Um, but if you look at the list, like all the majority of this list is is all really young players. Leon Goretzka, almost 27. Red, uh, white, up there. Joshua Kimmich at 27, almost 27. Uh, red, white, and blue. Let's see. You got there's an Argentinian. Lautaro Martinez is on there. You know, there's you know there's a couple of them up there, man. No, Everywhere. I mean, I don't I don't think you'll see a whole lot of Argentinians to be to be honest with you. That's the they all went to the MLS. Well, no, I mean, if you if you think about it. I mean, Messi would be the other one. Oh, Christian Romero, uh, Kuti Romero, the uh, center back for, for Spurs. Okay. He's, on the, he's on the list. Um, if you think about it, and, and Angel Correa, who just who just um, extended his contract at Atletico Madrid. He's on the list. But if you think about it, Messi's technically, his value has gone below 45 million pounds or euros or whatever now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all the guys that are in your team now are older so their value is well and here's the other part right so when you look at it right so it's great fantastic right so if we were to say oh my god england has phil foden mason greenwood uh jude bellingham Jaden sancho trent alexander arnold mason mount reese james uh bukayo saka marcus rashford uh like england has probably has the most amount of players on those lists it, or if maybe Maybe France is in there as well, but they have you know, a lot of players. They all can't play at the same time. Well, there you go, right? So that's part of it, right? So it's so there goes the individual player versus the system versus the style of play and versus all that stuff, right? So it it, it all kind of works together. Uh, but unfortunately, no, no U.S. Oh, sorry, no, yeah, uh, Giovanni Reina is on the list, and so is Christian Pulisic. Giovanni Reina, Gio Reina is on, ahead of Christian Pulisic. Here's an interesting fact. Uh, or not a fact, but Chris, an interesting figure, I guess. Uh, Christian Pulisic, one spot ahead of Neymar. 
Interesting. Yeah. Neymar is probably one of the oldest players next to David Alaba. Um, Huming Sun is on the list. He ran, he's at the bottom of the list. Um, he's number 100. How much is Geo worth? Geo is 50, 56 and a half. Getting there. Got work, yeah. work. I mean, he's one of the youngest players <clears throat> on this list. I mean, he's 19 months, 19 years old. So he's, he's definitely one of the, uh, one of the youngest players um, on the list. I think the oldest, I think the oldest player is on the list. Alaba is uh, no Kevin De Bruyne, I think is on this list. And he is the oldest player, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I just thought it was an interesting. Yeah. Kevin De Bruyne at 54.6. He's the oldest player at 30 and a half years old. So, Gavi's on there. He's probably the youngest one, 17 years old. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's just, I just thought it was an interesting thing. Here's value, the other one. That value has to shoot up. He's over here saving Barcelona. Yeah. And then here's the other one. And uh, here's the other really interesting thing that, and this website's pretty cool if you just want to look around and, and add some different cool things to it, but it does have an atlas of migration. So basically, it'll take every country and it'll tell you where their players are playing for. All right. So if you were to if you were to take a guess as to who what country exports the most amount of players in the entire world, who would you? So players from a different players playing in a different country than their home country. Who has the most amount of players playing? Yes, it would be like Brazil. Brazil's number one. Yeah, I was gonna say Brazil or France. 1,287 players. Yeah. In out of 96 different football associations, they're, they are in 79 different football associations. That's crazy. Um, most amount of Brazilians are playing in Portugal. 236 Brazilians in Portugal. That makes sense, though, because they speak the same language. Yeah. 67 in Japan, 55 in Italy. Uh, 55 in Spain, 52 in Malta. Malta just filling up with the Brazilians. Uh, United Arab Emirates, 49 players. Turkey, 36. Ukraine, 33. 33 play in the U.S., 31 in Thailand, 29 in Hong Kong, and then finally 28 in England. That's crazy. So, second on the list, um, second on the list is England. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. Second on the list is France. Yeah, I was gonna say France. Um, second on the list is France, uh, with 946. And the majority of that, so they're in 61 associations out of 96, so 63%. 106 players playing in Luxembourg. Um, and then 95 playing in Belgium, 84 in uh sorry, 96, 95 playing in England, 84 in Belgium. Then third on the list, and we'll just do the top three. Uh, third on the list is Argentina. I know uh, you got there, man. Yeah, we. I mean, seven hundred eighty different players playing in different countries. MLS. <laughs> uh, sixty-seven associations out of ninety-six, so sixty-nine percent. Here's the one that I don't think you'll get. Where is the most amount of players that Argentinians go to, or where? What country is the most? Is the one with the, where the most amounts of Argentinian players go to? Uh. Mexico? No. It's on the list. It's on the top four. Spain? Uh, second, 84 players. They go to Brazil? No, Brazil's kind of on the bottom. There's only 16 players there. More players in Malta than are in Brazil. Give you one more guess. Russia? No. No, Russia's not even in the, in the top of the list. Um, Chile. Chile. 111 players play in Chile. I knew it was a trick question. Yeah. So 84 in Spain, Italy 58, Mexico 50, Ecuador 49, and the U.S. with 42. That's and it. Also, there's, there's only how many? There's only how many, there's 27 teams. We were playing that game last week. It, it seemed like every every team there was an Argentinian. And there's, there's only 27 teams. teams. There's only 27 teams. 
Seems like you can name two from every team. I mean, yeah. You're, I mean, we're close. <laughs> that only. I mean, we're only we're only ten away, twelve, thirteen away from being being every two in every team. Yeah. So agency. Uh. So yeah. So, um. What's interesting is that forty players play in Greece. Good so, so the U.S. only has one hundred and forty-two players playing out of the out of the country. Um. Not bad. 46%, 46 out of 96, so 47%. Playing Germany. Um, and then, no, England, 14 players playing England. Really? Germany second with 11, then Denmark, Sweden, Guatemala, Italy, Mexico, Austria. Yeah. So it's an interesting... Because uh, went away. He, you know, he was finding all those Americans from Germany. Germany, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, what did you want to talk about? Um, the MLS is having a uh, their preseason camp, you know, for, or not the MLS, the U.S. national team is having a preseason camp. Mm-hmm. Who got selected? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about it. Sebastian Legit. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, so, the only um, one? They only selected one player? They only picked one player, one-on-one training session. So, no, the goalkeepers... <laughs> Um, for the U.S. training camp in Phoenix. Uh, Sean Johnson from NYCFC. Um, Gabriel Slonina from Chicago. And then, obviously, the shoe-in, Matt Turner from New England. Uh-huh. Um, defenders, you have George Bello, Dewan Jones, Brooks Lennon, Aaron Long, Miles Robinson, and Walker Zim- Zimmerman. So you probably have at least one starter you know, for the World Cup next year in that yeah. list. Uh, midfielders is uh, Kellen Acosta, Cole Bassett, Jord Mahalovic, Sebastian Lejet, Christian Roldan, and Jackson Yule. And the forwards you have Paul Ariola, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, and Jussie Zardes. So some interesting names. There's only 19 players coming in. Yeah. Uh, interesting to see who. They're all uh, domestic base, right? So they're all they're all from. from all yeah. That's so good. We'll see who uh, weeds their way into this final roster for qualifying. Well, the good thing is that they have a lot of time, right? So they'll spend, what, three weeks? Two or three weeks in there? Yeah, and it's good to keep them fit, right? Start, start today. It's good to keep them fit because, obviously, maybe sitting around doing nothing while Christian Pulisic is out here scoring goals. That's right. <laughs> Got to stay fit. Um, yeah, that's good. So I'm, I'm that, That'll be good. Hopefully, we'll get some good news out of that. Yeah. You never know. Cole Bassett may end up on the World Cup qualify or World Cup qualifying list. There you go. Julian Green may make a comeback. <laughs> All right. Uh, player of the match. Uh, my player of the match is going to go down to Willie. Willie Caballero uh, getting that extension after you know, he had the one-month contract. We talked about it a few weeks ago. One-month month, one, one contract at Southampton and uh, ends up getting an extension for six months. So 40 years old, he's going to be at Southampton. Uh, so good for him, former Boca Juniors goalkeeper. Gian Luigi's still holding on, man. He is. He is. He's still holding on, Parma. It's all right. He's trying to get trying to get the promotion. Yeah, just just trying to help him out. Yeah. Who's your player of the match? Uh, mine's gonna go out to Christian Pulisic uh, for helping Chelsea get that. I guess well deserved point when they were down two nothing on Sunday. I think it was a good goal. Uh, Great goal. If you haven't seen it, go look at Christian Pulisic's goal. And I think right before that, he had an opportunity to score another goal. Yeah, he, did. He, almost, he almost had a brace. Yeah. A little, like 10 minute spurt they had where they just kind of changed the course of the game. So, yeah, Christian Pulisic, you know, cliche, cliche right. American. Um, all right. On this day in history, January 7th, 2013, uh, the 2012 Bologna or uh, were, were, um, were awarded, was awarded. So they, they announced the first week of January or they gave it out the first week of January um, in Switzerland. Um, and Lionel Messi scores his Ballon d'Or hat trick. Uh, it was either him or Ronaldo. I don't. Yeah. So, I mean, he wins his, he wins his third, third in a row. So he won 2010, which was the first Ballon d'Or. Uh, or in this new format. So it was, he won 2010, 2011, and then 2012. And then Ronaldo would win it 2013 and 14. Um, but Lionel Messi 
uh, getting 41.6% of the votes, um, Ronaldo getting 23% of the votes, and Iniesta getting 10% of the votes. That's when like Messi was scoring like 40 goals a year easily. Yeah. yeah. Here's the cool part. <clears throat> so we're let's run out. Let's let's go through a couple of names that still were playing in 2012 that were on this. Xavi was fourth. Falcao was fifth. Casillas was sixth. Pirlo was seventh. Um, Drogba was eighth. Vin Percy was ninth. Slatan was tenth. Xavi Alonso was eleventh. Toure. 12, Neymar 13th, Ozil, Rooney, Buffon, Aguero, Ramos, Neuer, Busquez, PK, Benzema, and Balotelli. Balotelli. Coming in 23rd. So out of the out of the so let's so out of the 23 players, right? Um, out of the 23 players, who is still in 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 active playing mode? Messi, Ronaldo, Iniesta, Falcao is still playing, playing at right right. He's balling. Yeah, uh, kind of. La Liga, yeah, he's scoring goals again. Ike retired. Pirlo retired. Drogba retired. He's now he's now doing Ballon d'Or. He's handing out the Ballon d'Or. Uh, Van Persie retired. Slatan's still going strong. Xavi Alonso still playing. I think at Monaco. Did he retire? Mm, he might still be at Monaco. No, that's no Mo- Monaco. Uh, that's Fabregas is at Monaco. Yeah, let's say Xabi Alonso, yeah, manager for Real Sociedad B. Okay, yeah, yeah, Torre retired already. Uh, Neymar obviously still playing. Ozil playing at Fenerbahce. Uh, when Rooney is retired, manager Gigi Buffon still Ball. playing. Still playing. Uh, Aguero retired recently. Ramos still playing. Neuer still playing. Busquets still playing. PK still playing, Benzema still playing, and Mario Balotelli still playing. He's in like Serie C or D. He is playing at Adana, Adana Demispor. Um, in the of Italy is that? Turkey. 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 He is playing in Turkey. Oh, he must have been in Italy last year then. Um, he scored six goals in sixteen games though, so you know he's he's doing it. Ever since he uh, took that wacky penalty against the LA Galaxy when they were on that tour, his career just went downhill. I mean, he joined them in July, uh, and they were a newly promoted team for the Turkish Super League. So always catch him on Bean Sports. <laughs> Ray Hudson, the good old, the good old Turkish Super League. I know that everybody abandoned Bean Sports. They weren't paying well enough. Yeah, I have Paramount Plus or ESPN Plus. <laughs> um, they should have gone Bean Sports Plus. That would have gotten them people. Plus, I think that's how you had to watch some of these games. <laughs> Nobody was paying for being sports because nothing else comes on being sports. <laughs> um, all right. So fair play of the week. Uh, my fair play of the week is going to go out to the people that can, that still still are holding on strong, fighting Mr. Gianni Infantino on his FIFA nonsense about trying to make this World Cup every two years and also now trying to do the euros every two years which would coincide with the women's world cup at the same time frame so now you're trying to fight for ratings for the women's world cup which is absolutely ridiculous because then sponsorship money goes out the window so a big shout out to the people that are still holding on strong going no this is silly and we should not do it nuts leave the world cup every four years leave the euros every four leave leave everything the way it is it's fine it works. It, it works. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing you can do, which would kind of be cool, would be to do like a, like kind of like a Champions League tournament, like a single elimination. Get rid play. of this nonsensical UEFA Nations Cup or Nations League. Get that's, the, that's the problem, though, right? Like the Nations League is an absolute joke because at the same time, like South American countries, uh, North American countries, Asian countries, African countries, nobody can play European side because they're all playing this Nations League. So nobody wants to play you in the FIFA window. So now you're left. So now if you're Argentina, you're Brazil, <clears throat> you got nobody to play. Well, we got, we also got to figure out how one, 
to get AFCON. I think AFCON is the outlier here because I think it, and I get it because it's probably the best time of year to play this tournament. Yeah. Well, there we'll talk about that next. We'll talk about the African Cup of Nations because that's starting. That starts to Sunday or Sunday. Yeah. But I think that it's part of it because I think it leaves the European clubs in a bind. Like Liverpool yeah. just lost two of their best forwards. But but I get that. But at the same time, though, I I don't know. I just think. They got to bring back the Confederations Cup, but they need to improve the format of which yeah. team selected. Like, I think it becomes like a 16 team. It's got to be like a quick tournament, like a two or three week tournament. It doesn't need to be like a whole month. Yeah. 16 team, like double elimination tournament. Just yeah. play it in Las Vegas. <laughs> Las Vegas. So that way the, the betting can happen. The betting can happen. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. Who's your favorite play of the week? Uh, my fair play at least going to go out to uh, Kent County um, working together to put on this union futsal tournament coming up. Right. in March. Um, so if you're listening to the podcast and you coach a soccer team and you're local to Delaware, you know, you can live in Maryland, Jersey, PA. Oh, you're not. You just want to travel. Or you want to travel. We're having a union futsal tournament um, in March, March 6th for the boys, March 7th for the girls. I think, March, March 5th, 5th for the girls. 5th March- March 5th and 6th, March 5th for the boys, March 6th for the girls um, in Dover. So check out our website, DelawareUnion.com slash Union Futsal Cup, I think. Futsal Tournament. Futsal Tournament. And uh, register your teams. Yeah. We'll we'll be seeing you there. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. So yeah, um, I'm excited for for it to be back. We haven't done it in a year and a half, two years. So it's going to be a good time. We did it in 2020. We just didn't do it last year. That's right, we did it in 2020. Yeah, right. it's like the last thing we did in 2020. Yeah, yeah, a week before the pandemic, we did it. Um, so yeah, all right. Well, uh, don't forget to follow us on our new Instagram at the soccer podcast, the soccer podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. <laughs>